Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. I could care less about the team struggling. I want to kiss you. All right. Bill's Mafia. What is going on? Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I am your host. Vince Taylor, you are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network, and I hope you have had some time to kind of decompress from that ugly, ugly blowout loss to the Indianapolis Colts. And wow. I mean, I'm not going to say I I sat here and I said I had some anxiety about this game. I was still predicting a Bills win. I thought there was a pretty good chance that we could lose this game. Never saw this loss coming at all. And, you know, this hurts. This hurts because several reasons why this hurts. Because, well, I think think it reinforces that we may have overachieved with what we did last year going to the AFC Championship game. We got all the way to the AFC Championship game based pretty much on Josh doing everything himself. Now, I'm not including the wide receivers in that group because... They obviously are connected to the passing game, and Josh is a big part of that. The defense wasn't great last year. They had some big stops and some big games. That's true, but they weren't great. The offensive line, not great. The running backs, not great. Last year, we got all the way there with Josh. We had all these expectations. Two weeks ago, we were talking about being the number one seed in the AFC, and since then, we had lost to the Jaguars. Now we have another loss under our belt. And, you know, I think I've been looking at the Patriots for a few weeks now, kind of looking at them in the rearview mirror with a little bit of concern. And now they are technically in the lead in this division. We still do have two games against them, and they're going to mean a lot. A lot of the tiebreakers going into the playoffs might not go our way. We've lost to the Titans. we got several AFC conference losses. They're starting to pile up. They're not all behind us. We have some tough games ahead of us. And we have a short week going into Thanksgiving. Just, well, really, three days of practice and then the game on Thanksgiving against the Saints. And I don't know what to make of the Saints. I don't have a good read on them. Maybe it's not completely dislike. I don't have a good read on this Bills team. I think they're probably a good defensive team. I don't like their offense. Don't know if they're going to go with Trevor Simeon. I think he started this past weekend or Taysom Hill. And I'm not a fan of the Taysom Hill offense. I don't think that's a good offense. I don't think that's the way you win consistently in the NFL. But is that good enough to beat the Bills this coming week? There's a serious question there. And I, I don't know that I have a strong answer. But it's at least... A discussion topic and it shouldn't be but here we are here we are in the AFC second place and 
I think it's even right to start considering if we'll even make the playoffs because if we don't win the AFC East, I think the road to the playoffs gets that much tighter for us because the AFC's got other good teams. That's not to say that there are other teams in the AFC that don't have questions. They absolutely do. So do we. Many, many questions. But I think we don't want to be in the middle of that jumbled mess at the end of the year. It's better to just get the division win and go into the playoffs that way. And I'm not feeling very confident that if we don't get the AFC East, that we can write our ticket or punch our ticket. Definitely. A lot of concern there. I think it's right to have concern. But... Now, if you've listened to this program, this podcast for any length of time, you know that I live in Indianapolis and I'm getting a lot of texts from Indianapolis fans today. Good hearted, good natured ribbing, but it's really pissing me off. Gotta knock that shit off. I need new friends. But I was also listening to Mike show up after the game. And by the way, I'm going to go off on a mini rant here. I love WGR living in Indianapolis. WGR has been my lifeline to the Bills for a long time until I discovered the podcast community. But a lot of people don't like Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I've been a fan of his. I think he's negative, but I think he's smart. And all during the last half of the drought years, he was always the one that people accused of being overly negative and pessimistic and grumpy even. And I generally agree with him. His, his point's real smart. He's not trollish. Uh, he's a smart guy. And I like I said, I, I appreciate, I listen, I like that program. But today he's basically telling us not to worry about it. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Why does anybody have the right to tell me to stop worrying about this team? We've lost to the Jaguars. We have lost to the Colts badly. We should have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. We should have beat the Tennessee Titans. And there's many reasons why we haven't. But how can anybody feel confident about this team right now, given the rest of the AFC? You shouldn't be telling any other Bills fans right now not to worry or to calm down. There's plenty of reason to worry. You should be worried. You should have some anxiety. It's okay to be positive and want to be optimistic because that is certainly a possible outcome. We have two games against the Patriots left. Things can absolutely change. But as it stands right now, if you're not feeling a little bit of anxiety, then I I think you're not really paying attention. I think there's some cause for concern here, and you really should be paying attention a little closer. We can talk about where Tampa Bay was at this point last year. We can talk about how the Patriots had never had an undefeated season. We can talk about how any contender right now or will lose games that they should win. It happens every year. This is not a new phenomenon. But we had wake-up call after wake-up call after wake-up call, and things are not changing. You know, we come out flat, and, you know, there was a lot of criticism in the Jacksonville game that we didn't seem to care. We come out, we beat up on the hapless Jets and Mike White. Whatever. Does nothing to move the needle for me. It's the Jets. This game would have meant a lot more to us had we won it. And not only could we not keep it close, but we got blown out. And you know, I don't. I don't know. 
how am I supposed to feel about this team? Am I supposed to still think we're in the number one driver's seat for the number one seed? No, I can't even say for certain we get the AFC East. Listening to Coach McDermott after the game, uh, Mike Shope mentioned it. He felt like he didn't, well, McDermott didn't want to talk about Star and Tremaine and guys that weren't on the team. Mike was kind of interpreting that, that he's frustrated with the COVID situation and, and maybe guys not getting vaccinated. And, you know, the way he answered that, I don't disagree with him. I think there's probably a little bit of that there. And he's frustrated because, well, it's not something he can control, but he, he can do the best he can to educate. And if players don't want to take the vaccine, they want to take the vaccine. But let's be thankful that we're not having any breakouts to cancel games this year because we, the NFL really has done a good job trying to push that message. But on to the game itself. You know, I'm not saying the Bills are bad last year. They weren't. But I've already talked about how we may have overachieved because Josh Allen basically dragged us there by himself. But is the offense that dependent on one player, Spencer Brown, not even a starter, by the way, at the beginning of the year, and now he's a key cog in us feeling confident about the offense in the rest of the year is where's the criticism for that? Is that Bean? Is that McDermott? I mean, McDermott was the one that eventually put him in, but you know, we did nothing to improve the offensive line through the off season. I know Spencer Brown's there, but that was not the plan. Spencer Brown was not the plan to start a tackle. We did that out of necessity. And, and the offensive line, again, not great. It's, probably better but Ike Bacher had a couple of wolf plays um Feliciano had a couple of wolf plays you know they were getting pressure in the run game and in the pass game just four people handing off the ball there's somebody in the backfield just four rushers they were able to drop everybody else back I didn't count and maybe somebody else out there did could tell me if the Colts blitz at all but it didn't look like they needed to they were getting pressure with four all day long when they needed it and, you know, there were times where they would rush just four. And Josh would have to take the quick and easy one, the, the dink and duck. Uh, second along, third and 22. Pressure with four. Throwing short. Way short of the first down. Not even having time to take a shot downfield. And let's not forget about the drops today. Now, I'm willing to listen to this argument. Somebody said the ball was wet and it's raining and let's not like nobody's ever played in the rain before after all it's fucking buffalo and you know josh is from wyoming so it's not like we don't know how to play with a wet football but there was a lot of drops today and maybe there's a couple throws where josh kind of really rocketed in there and it went through a few guys hands i know dawson knox had a really bad one cole beasley had a really bad one gabe davis had another one hit him in the hands he dropped i don't know maybe he needs to put more touch on it I I don't have to be right about that, and I'm not even sure I agree with that, but it's just something that some folks had observed. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't have to be right. Tyler Bass, Mr. Automatic, had hit 16 in a row, missed two, one, two of them today. And, you know, you'd like to think that with a team this good, we wouldn't have to put pressure on Bass to hit the long ones all the time, especially in the weather long ones in the weather and you know a few more yards probably would have made the difference there but we, we can't can't do that 
We just weren't that good. Um, Colts were number one in the league off from getting points off from turnovers. We were the most in the league in turnovers because we led the league in interceptions. The Colts led the league in fumbles, and they were number two. And today they, and they, they really, I mean, Josh threw one into coverage. Uh, it looked like maybe the throw was late, but I, I mean, this the CBS broadcast angle. Uh, you know, I don't even know what he was looking at when he let go of the ball. Um, nearly had another late one. I, he threw another one to Kenny Moore. He th- nearly had another one late in the game, and you know, Josh. Yes, there's an excuse there. Offensive line's not been great, but Josh needs to absorb some of the criticism here too. As much as I love Josh, this is part of his game. It's reeling its ugly head again. We hadn't really seen it in a while, but it seems to be coming back. The Isaiah McKenzie kickoff fumble. Good God. I know Joe Marino has been saying the same thing, I think, pretty much since I've been aware of Joe Marino. He's not been a fan of Isaiah McKenzie taking kicks. And I'm to the point now where, yes, Isaiah McKenzie has had some nice returns. Give him credit for that. But I'm at the point now where I'm just, I don't want to risk it. Any kickoff that goes into the end zone, just take the ball to 25. The percentage of time you get a long run that goes longer outside the 25, I think is, maybe someone can do the numbers, but it seems smaller than just taking a knee and getting the ball at the 25. I think there's a lot of times you run it out and maybe you get to the 18 or you get to the 22 or maybe you get to the 26. But taking the 25 just seems to be the really conservative move. And, and right now, I think I'm okay with that. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in McKenzie. Yeah, and he's going to make some plays. He will. Plays like this cost him, and I'm just not willing to roll a dice. And I don't care if I see another kickoff return out of the end zone for the rest of the year. I was really extremely disappointed in McDermott when he decided not to go for that fourth and five. I think the play right before it, the play was there. It went through Beasley's hands. And, you know, as for as much as I'm sitting here criticizing Josh Allen, we were moving the ball. We were. We were able to move the ball against that cold secondary. And, you know, I think in the, a fourth and five there, it, I know it's long. And I don't know what the analytics say in fourth and long there, but I I felt confident that we would have got it. We should have got it in third and five. And you know, we missed the field goal anyway. It was a long field goal. Go for fourth and five. I don't know. I was extremely disappointed in that. I think a lot of Bills fans were. But I, I think the Colts had a good game plan today. This was the game plan that other teams had to beat Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning was in his heyday with the Colts. You do not want to give Peyton Manning more possessions than you need to. So you have these long, sustained drives to limit the amount of possessions that Peyton Manning can have. And that's what the Colts did to us today on the run game. Run game has been our Achilles heel for a long time. And I was worried about the Ravens last year for that same reason but in the Ravens we were able to to play well against it Uh, not this Jonathan Taylor guy not Jonathan Taylor who's putting up Madden numbers with five touchdowns today and by the way if you don't understand the value of having a good offensive line just look at the difference between the two offensive lines today Jonathan Taylor running the ball, not getting touched until he's cleared the line of scrimmage. And the offensive linemen are always falling forward. 
look at the Bills offensive line. You cannot say the same thing. You cannot say the same thing. And as far as the Bills running game goes, I am done with Moss. I gave him the benefit of the doubt last year. Singletary wasn't good last year. The offensive line wasn't good last year. But Moss has had a big enough body of work for me to have a solid opinion on him. And I was never thrilled with him. Wanted to keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. At this point, why would we keep giving the ball to Moss? He doesn't do anything special. Let's compare the two running backs with the eye test. Jonathan Taylor is not a power guy. Yes, he can run with power, but that's not been the book on him, really. He's a tough runner, but he's not a power runner. Like Zach Moss wants you to believe he is making business decisions. Look at Jonathan Taylor run the ball. There were plenty of times where guys would get an arm on him behind the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't even slow him down. They couldn't get to him. He just kept running, and he always falls forward. I mean, look at the difference between, I'm going to say it again, motor. Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss. And tell me which one is the more powerful runner. And there are plenty of times where I think Zach Moss will pull up before contact. He's not the one hitting them. He's getting hit. And I don't think you could say that about Jonathan Taylor. I don't know. Someone help me understand what I'm missing about this fascination of a certain percentage of Bills fans that are still enamored with with Zach Moss because as far as I can see Devin Singletary should not has not done anything to lose my optimism and no I'm not sitting here calling him a number one back I don't believe that he's a guy that needs to split carries but he's a valuable very good back uh, wish he had better hands wish he wouldn't fumble but with the ball in his hands He's pretty good. And I wonder what he could do if he had a real offensive line in front of him as well. I Bruce Nolan uh, may have had the stat. I think Nate had the stat from Circling the Wagons about you know where the Bills running backs had been getting hit before contact. Yards before contact. It's very low. It's very low average. They're getting hit like as basically as soon as they take the handoff is what they're averaging. It's It's like a yard and some change. I think what I'd like to see this point forward, make Moss inactive every week. He's not at bringing anything special. Give me Brita. Give me Motor. All of Moss's touches go to Brita, and we just split the two carries that way. Listen, Brita's had a good couple games. He's broken off a long couple of runs. He's not going to do that every week. He's not going to do that consistently, but at least the threat's there. And that's something we don't have out of Motor or Moss. So, I don't know. Why not try it? We Well, we didn't do the, the jet sweep stuff today. You know, I, I guess if you want to criticize anybody for that, as much as we love seeing it against the Jets, we didn't do it today. Maybe Dave will think that he didn't need to do it because he felt better about, I guess, having Cody Ford in there. I don't really know. But it didn't really matter. We didn't need to run the ball. We need to keep passing to get. Once you get in that big of a hole, that's the perfect game plan. As I said, you know, they with that kind of offense, if they're that successful with a run game, and they can get up by a couple scores, it's a big hole to climb out of because you only get a certain number of possessions. And honestly, by the middle of the third quarter, it was already starting to feel like it was over because I didn't the way they were controlling the clock. By the way. We stopped them exactly one time today. They punted exactly one time. When they're controlling the ball like that, 
you don't get as many possessions. And we've needed to score pretty much in every possession from the third qu- middle of the third quarter to close out the game, and we just didn't have enough possessions to do it anyway. The game was already over. But when you come out of halftime and you have like a 30-second possession, what the hell's that? <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Some things I liked. I, I think I liked seeing Josh Scramble covering up the football. You can see him making a concerted effort to keep that thing secure and putting both arms around it when he feels people around him. I say that. And then he had the fumble in the pocket. Um, there was pressure around him and he had someone poke the ball out and he, he had that fumble in the pocket. It seems like every single week when the offense gets going, we do something silly to hurt ourselves with the penalties. Um, today was some drop passes. Last year, we were really good at making up for that. We could take a holding call, and there were times where Josh would have, many times last year, where Josh would have to score a touchdown, two touchdowns on the same drive because a touchdown would get called back on a penalty, and you just felt like, it's fine, Josh is going to score anyway, and we did most of the time. This year, we don't have that same mojo. You can't keep that up forever. You got to start being more disciplined. And that, I mean, that that's hard to, hard to do. It's, it's easy to say. I think it's hard to coach. But I think some of the things we can coach, let's say, for example, I don't like seeing Ed Oliver get a, a sack and then get up and do the sack dance when they're calling taunting all over the NFL so inconsistently. McDermott's got to clean that up. That's going to cost us. Now, it didn't. And, you know, he if the call came back anyway for a different penalty on the same play. He did not get a taunting call, but he could have. Who knows? Uh, today, Cam Newton scores a touchdown, goes to half to, to, the, to the midfield line and, and does a little celebration dance, and he doesn't get called taunting, but you spin the football and you get a taunting call. So they s- said it again this week. Taunting calls are something that they're focusing on. And... Ed Oliver, I know it's it's an emotional game, but we were down big. We were down big. That sack meant very little at that point. And you get up and you act like you just, you know, sacked somebody to, to win the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, let's come on here. Let's uh, maybe fist pump and, and maybe, you know, scream and then get back into the huddle. But a little dance and all that shit, knock that off. We're, we're going to get flagged for it. You know, we, we have already this year. Clean that shit up. As far as the defensive line goes, no sacks. I mean, we had the one that got called back on Ed Oliver. Mark Addison missed Carson Wentz. <laughs> Carson Wentz just basically ducked and ran underneath him. But all the investments in this defensive line, and we don't get to really see any fruits. Yes, he was hurried. It, Carson, this wasn't a passing game from Carson Wentz. It didn't need to. And there was some pressure on him. But we don't close the deal. And that was what we really focused on the offseason. That's why Effie Obad is here. Why Mario Addison is still here. That's why we drafted two defensive ends back-to-back. And we still don't get to close the deal. I don't know what the answer here is. There are plenty of people way smarter than I, that I am, that would have ideas. I'm wondering if we need to think about not doing a rotation quite as much. I think we take two of our best pass rushers and we give them more snaps and cut down on the reps for the other folks. 
I don't know who that is. I suppose you can make arguments for a few different guys. I guess right now off the top of my head, I'm thinking Hughes and Epinenza. But I, I guess I'm willing to hear alternatives here. I, I don't – why wouldn't you try it, I guess? It, you know, we've invested so much into this defensive line to not get results. And they at this point, they've been gone more often than they've shown up. And I know this is the Colts' offensive line. Quentin Nelson's awesome. Eric Fisher's coming around. He's on the old side. Uh, Ryan Kelly's a great center. The Colts have had a great offensive line for a few seasons now. This season, they've not been up to par. Maybe they're getting better lately. And I, I know that's a tough task. But where's the sacks at? Where are they at? We got one sack last week from Obata, uh, who chased Mike White out of bounds. Didn't even hit him. And, you know, ran short, just ran out of bounds. One yard short, got a sack for it. That's what we have. We're not sacking Mike White. We're not sacking Carson Wentz. In in terms of the overall defense, I've been thinking this all year long, and I'm not really great at articulating my thoughts as well as I'd like, but I felt like our defense was still pretty good. I felt like being the number one pass defense maybe was a stretch because we have gotten fat on some cupcakes. We've gotten fat on Davis Mills. We've gotten fat on Jacoby Brissett. We've gotten fat on Mike White. We've gotten fat on... Ben Roethlisberger. And that has skewed the perception of his defense a little bit. Yes, we're. I believe that overall we're still a great passing defense. But overall, are we really as good as what the numbers said? Is that large point differential we had before this game, is that really telling the story? And the answer clearly is no. It's clearly not. I propose we go back to playing backup quarterbacks because I think that would fix everything. Okay, but seriously, I know it's the NFL. I know we're very much week to week. And I know that any team can win every week. That's the NFL. But we've had this same conversation too many times this year. We didn't think we maybe had this many losses the entire season. And here we are just after midway point with four losses and out of first place in the AFC East did not see that coming. None of us saw that coming. And by the way, something else I've noticed as a trend is why are we always out penalized? Even at home, we are consistently out penalized than the other team. Stupid penalties. Yes. Some of them. Yes. And it's absolutely true. The refs have been atrocious this year and this has been some of the worst refereeing I've seen in my football watching life ever since I've been conscious of the sports and knew how and what NFL refereeing was supposed to be. This is some of the worst I've ever seen. But it's still us. We're still making a lot of these calls. Some of them, most of them are legit. Some of them are questionable. But we're still getting out penalized all the time. Same thing today. Very disappointed. Um, not sure how I feel about the rest of the year. We're, we're probably going to skirt the line. We're going to end up being in the hunt as we are very well comfortable being in the hunt column as we have for most of the drought years. You know, technically right now we're a wild card, but 
We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. We got the Saints in basically three practice days to try to clean some stuff up. I'm not even sure if we had Star in there or in Tremaine in Mare, if it would make that big of a difference. I might even think that having AJ Klein instead of Tremaine in today's game might have been better. Now, please hear that correctly. Today's game. I don't think mean to say that I believe that AJ is better than Tremaine. And you all know how I feel about Tremaine. I don't think he's elite. I think he's fine. He's pretty good. But uh, I'm not sure he would have made a difference today in this game either. Josh Allen, 21 out of 35, two TDs, two interceptions, nearly had a third one. Um, two touchdowns to Stephon Diggs. Great passes, great passes. And in the second one, just before the second touchdown, he had another perfectly paced ball right there to Dawson Knox. And that was perfectly placed. Dawson just dropped it. And the very next play, we get the touchdown to Diggs. Uh, we should have been able to take advantage of this cold secondary, but we couldn't because we kept throwing the ball over and we kept getting penalties. Um, Matt Breda, five carries, 51 yards. Motor, just three carries today, seven yards. Uh, Moss, three for five. Not a lot to talk about that's exciting in the receiving game. Like several drops. Uh, Knox, six catches, 80 yards. He was the big receiver for a day. He probably could have gone over 100 if he, you know, two or three drops by him today. Um, so maybe he needs to go back to tight end university. Diggs, four for 23, had the two touchdowns. Still a very underwhelming day. I know he had the two touchdowns, but uh, defense, no sacks, as I said. Uh, Ed Oliver did have that one called back, but I don't know. Not not sure what I'm supposed to be saying about this game. Somebody called out on Twitter that we were not making any adjustments to stop Jonathan Taylor because we were still running nickel all the time, and so I I tried to watch more carefully for that on my second drive through uh, walkthrough, and I didn't see that until late in the third fourth quarter. Um, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing to stick another linebacker out there if we're make Carson Wentz throw the ball. Jonathan Taylor was beating us up all day. How about we go to a 4-3 and make Carson Wentz beat us? Clearly, he didn't want to throw the ball as much as he did because they, they were just running the ball. Let's, mm. Anyway, well, I... I I don't even know what to say. I'm lost for words. I, I I think that the coaching staff was bad today. I think the players were bad today. I think the offensive line was bad today. I think Josh was bad, but he doesn't deserve a, the lion's share of the blame. Uh, the defense was just absolutely atrocious. Um, but just name something, and I'm unhappy about it. I'm kind of grumpy today, but I'll be over it by Thanksgiving. By the way, do you think a game like today or, you know, specific to Dable, you start adding up the Pittsburgh game, you start adding up the Jacksonville game, do you think these games are going to dull his shine a little bit for potential head coaching opportunities? And, yeah, there's probably still time to turn it around. If he's in the AFC Championship or in the Super Bowl, maybe Dable's not even losing any sleep over it. But right now, I think I think he probably is. I think his star has kind of lost a little bit of its luster. And after a game like today, I think I've been on the Leslie Fraser train for a while. 
But I think after a game like today, they're yeah, you might be looking at them a little bit different. I don't have to be right about that, but you know, it's just one game. But uh, I, I think I'm right. I, I think that you can lose your reputation a lot faster than you can earn it as a head coach or as an offensive coordinator or even as a defensive coordinator. Anyway, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving this week. I hope you spend some time with the people you love. I hope you eat some great food, and I hope you remember the spirit of Thanksgiving because we we get lost in what it means from day to day, and I never take my beautiful wife, my home, my job, none of that for granted because you could easily have less. And there are many, many, many people in this world who have less than what we have. So with that said, um, let's get you into Real or Silly. I also have I have a really special Mafia Hot Seat this week. Uh, one of my favorite podcasters who I've wanted to have on the pod for a long time, and I finally tracked him down and got him to agree, uh, Anthony Romeo over from the Hoof Podcast, who I... I look up to and I idolize because I think he's one of the smarter people in Bill's Mafia. I think he's right up there with Bruce. I have very high uh, regard for Anthony, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to have him on the Mafia hot seat. I will not have a Mafia hot seat next week. I don't think I'm going to try to ch- chase down a guest during the holiday. Um, I'll probably talk to Justin, and maybe we'll figure out if we're going to do a Real or Silly. But without further ado, here is a Real or Silly. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, is it real or is it silly? Silly, adjective, All right, laughable or amusing that is through it. foolishness or a foolish week, appearance. You have somehow made it through is another episode of Buffalo and Brain. And I Silliness? Okay, is it real? Wow. Big, big thank you. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. To create the real or silly segment, and I am especially honored to have, ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, one of the smartest it people in Bill's Mafia. It is that time of the week again, where we're joined by my good friend Justin Goddard over from the Wandering Buffalo. And, uh, I'm you can find him on Wednesdays and Thursdays with me. But until next on week, this very network, great things, Justin. again, what's the good word today? Remember what it's for. Uh, I'm overall pretty good. I I am a bit saddened. I don't know if you've seen this news yet because I saw it right as we were jumping on today. The goose is on the loose, man. We'll talk to you all next week. Hopefully, not a good way. The the Jets just signed uh, Wild Goose to their active roster, so we had another draft pick snagged from us. Is that payback? You know Probably. what? <laughs> I don't really appreciate the way you picked off our quarterback four times. We're just going to take your cornerback. How's that? It, it seems like a vendetta. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we can file a grievance or something. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. Mostly because of his name. He had great nickname potential. He's also pretty fast, like straight line speed. I don't know how well he was for agility, but he had some speed on him. Uh hey. Maybe they'll force our hand on drafting a cornerback next year. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, we're going off a tangent, and that's okay. But I <laughs> think uh, I've I'm coming around on Levi. I've always liked Levi. I think sometimes you got to qualify that because if you, some people think you hate him, even if you don't want him to be a starter. I think Levi's great. This year he's played out of his mind. I think he's been really good this year. If he can keep up this level of play, I can't really complain. Yeah, I I predict that he gets a, a contract extension and we draft another guy in like the sixth round for the quote-unquote competition, but I think Levi sticks around. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so because the depth is still a concern and you know, I think there's anytime there's a practice squad guy that comes up or there's like a a lesser known name that comes up. Like there's a section of Bill's mafia. That's like, Oh man, this guy's awesome. Dane Jackson season, baby. And <laughs> it doesn't really happen like that. It's still, that's like drought era thinking, I think most times, but anyway, you want to go ahead with the first question? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Question one. This is a fun one. This one, there's a lot of debate on, and I think I could build a, a solid. I can think I could build a solid argument either way. But Justin Goddard, Josh Allen, our Josh Allen, the quarterback of Buffalo, not the other guy, will win the NFL MVP this season. Is that real or silly? Um. So, I think the chances of him having a season that's MVP caliber um, is real. Uh, but I think it's silly that he actually wins the award. A bunch of silliness. Um, and what's kind of making me say that is is this resurgence that we're seeing um, Kansas City on. And it's all kind of, you know, hanging in the balance of if they can, you know, really turn the se- season around and, you know, make one of those top few seeds. Um, but I, I think this is an award that they love giving to um, the easy, easily marketable faces. And you got like Mahomes out there in commercials. Um, can't forget about Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. I mean, he just had a real clunker of a game against Washington. Um, but I think, I think this award doesn't always go to the actual MVP. I think it goes more to, you know, what's going to draw the most attention. So while I think he might have the stats to back up a case, and I do think there's a chance that he wins it, I think there's another card stacked in the against in the deck against him of being a small market team that nobody's cared about for like 20 years. So he's got to overcome that as well as all the other, you know, playing expectations. Yeah. So you think it's silly. I, I don't think I, I'm going to going to go ahead and agree with you, but I don't think it's, because of Patrick Mahomes or like a Kansas city receiver. He's got, I think he has got 10 interceptions already. I think he's effectively out of it right now. Josh is the favorite. When you look at the schedule coming up, I think he's going to be in some close games and I think he's going to have opportunity to put up some numbers, right? Because what are we going to do? Run the ball. That's not going to happen every <laughs> week. So I think the opportunity is there, but Tom Brady's having an excellent season too. I know we're down on him right now because he had a bad game, but there's Tom Brady, there's Dak Prescott, uh, Aaron Rodgers seems to be a little bit down, but there's a, there's some good, strong competition and we still have a lot of football left. Um, I guess if I'm just going to straight play the odds, I'm going to agree with you. I'd say that it's silly. Yeah. This is, this is one where I actually kind of don't want Josh to win the MVP too. 
Um, he's just got such a like chip on his shoulder, prove him wrong mentality that like, if you're right up there in like the top three conversation of league MVP, like that, that's fine and dandy by me. Like that's some great quarterback play. And, and just the idea of feel him feeling like he got snubbed or cheated out of it or whatever, just as extra fuel to his fire. I feel like there's a lot of guys on this team that are, I think of like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde that are kind of like, we don't care about the pro bowl at this point, like snub us again. It just gives us more fuel. And I think Josh is definitely one of those types of guys. So for for me personally, you can, you can hold the awards away from him. The only award I want to see him get is, is hoisting that Lombardi trophy. So what I hear you saying is you want to start a campaign for the anti MVP, Josh Allen, right? You want to be the guy to start that, that movement. Yes, but I don't want to be the face of it. (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll we'll go to question number two. Question two. Justin Goddard. I'm concerned that Bill's mafia is not concerned enough about this, but the New England Patriots are right on our tail. They are playing some good football, kind of under the radar. We can say what we want about Mac Jones, but they're playing good teams tight. They're still Bill Belichick. They still have a good defense. They can still make you sweat. Justin Goddard, the Bills are going to drop one of these games to the Pats. Is that real or silly? Vince, I could not agree with you more that they're – there doesn't seem to be enough healthy respect for the Patriots out there. And I'm going to say this one is real. Real. Um, just, just from a number standpoint, the record that we're toting against the division over the last couple of years is, is kind of ridiculous. And it's kind of just almost that like, well, we're due to cough up one, right? You know, how many teams, sweep the division in back-to-back years. It, it just doesn't seem likely, and I'm not writing the Jets in as a win. So when you start looking at the Patriots, they're they're starting to play well, and it's kind of like this old-school brand of football that's working for them. And I think McDaniels is a great offensive coordinator, and and you've seen it his system kind of evolve over the years of what talent he has around him. And, you know, Oh, we can't stretch the field right now. That's fine. We're going to use some misdirection and some triple option fake and get somebody in the flat that runs for 40 yards. And then of course you have to include Bill Belichick, you know, he cooks up nice defenses. I, I think there's, I think there's at least one of the two games where they put some exotic looks out there that, kind of confused Josh a little bit and what Bill Belichick does best is is he tries to take away the one thing that you do best and make you beat them in different ways and if that's you know we're really going to limit the passing game this week and dare them to beat us with the run I I don't know if we have that win in in our tool chest this year if you will yeah I agree I mean they're they shouldn't be overlooked. They were pretty good last year with Cam Newton. I'll say that again. They, they were pretty good last year with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was absolutely terrible last year, and everyone's Google over him right now going back to Carolina. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not buying into any of that. But Mac Jones is doing things that Tom Brady did, and that's not, it's not fair to say that, and it's not even accurate. 
But when I say that, I mean, he's just throwing short stuff and getting guys open on the, on, you know, pick plays and screen plays and that kind of thing. And he's, he's good at it. Um, the test for him is going to come if he's ever having to come back from a deficit like Tom did. And that's a completely different story, but I'm, I'm agreeing with you. The, the bills probably will drop a game to new England and that's football. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. And, and a couple of things to Mac Jones credit for, for all the slander he got coming out in the draft. And, you know, I, I wasn't a personal fan of his, but when he got drafted to new England, it was kind of that mentality of like, well, if anybody can make this type of quarterback work, it's, it's new England. It's that system. And I don't think Mac Jones is getting enough credit for right now being the best quarterback out of that class so far. I know these guys, a couple of these guys are, you know, um, Zach Wilson's missed some time. Trey Lance isn't like a full-time starter. Justin Fields is kind of thrown into a, a dumpster fire situation. So that, that kind of goes into it. Um, but what I see in Mac Jones when he's playing is that dude is fearless in the pocket and you can get a pass rush to him and he will stare right down the barrel until the last second and still deliver accurate balls. And to your point, it's, it's kind of like um, little, little hints of Tom Brady and, and rightfully so he should never be compared to Tom Brady, especially this early in his career. Um, But it's, it's the finding, finding the right play and it might just be a four yard pass and that's the right play. And the next play might be a five yard pass that they take for, you know, 15 yards after, after the catch. Um, so they're, they're really leaning into the running game and they're not asking Mac Jones to do a ton. Um, but what he is doing, he's doing well so far this year. Yeah. He's fitting right into that bill Belichick, dirty, rotten, cheating bastards, isn't he like <laughs> rolling over on people's ankles and, Anyway, uh, we'll move on. On to question number three. Question three. Justin Goddard, there's a growing sense of endearment with Matt Breida at the moment. He's been inactive most of the year. He was active the first week, but really has not seen the field since. Justin Goddard, question number three. Matt Breida will be active six or more times the rest of this year. Um, so I'm gonna say this one is silly. A bunch of silliness. And there's a couple reasons why. I, I do think we see a little bit more from him. I think he was too much of a factor in this game, albeit on limited touches, to kind of ignore him the way they have the rest of the year. I think he was really only brought up this week as, you know, like an insurance policy, Zach Moss coming back from a concussion. Um, but just the way I'm looking at this is, you know, he, he looked great in limited action against the jets. Um, but when I'm looking at the remainder of the season decisions, I'm factoring in then that one, we were playing the jets um, and two, it's more body of work that the coaches get to see this guy practicing every day. And, you know, they might be able to look at the game highlights and be like, yeah, he had a good day. Um, but there's still enough that they're seeing in practice that they've been comfortable with him being inactive. Um, 
so I, I do think maybe we see maybe like three, four more games. Um, this is all kind of barring injuries to one of our running backs. If, if one of them get gets hurt, I think it's a no brainer. Um, but I, I just think that there's been enough time on the practice field that if they were seeing anything that was demanding that he be on the field, we would have seen him by now. I think the Bills running back situation is messy. And anybody that listens to me knows how big of a fan Motor is, but I don't believe Motor is a feature back. He needs that split carries. And when we drafted Moss, I don't feel like the two of them are they they're too similar and i know that we want to believe that moss is some kind of power back and i don't know i'm underwhelmed by that and you'll see it in places but you will also see it not show up in places and he just feels like a lesser he's just a guy zach moss to me is an average back and when we signed brita i thought okay we talked about drafting one in the first round all you know off season and we talked about not having speed and then we signed Matt Breida and we just kind of stole him away and break the glass I guess in, in case of emergency and then he comes in and he has a pretty decent game I only had three rushing carries but I think having him on the field does make the defense think about things that you wouldn't think of with Moss yeah and, it, go uh, ahead. I I'm just I'm feeling like the Bills Mafia has some kind of loyalty and and they're wanting to see Moss grow into something that I don't think is there. But I think the team might be starting to think differently. I think they're going to start looking at Breda and I think he is going to get those carries. So I'm going to say yes. So if it was me running the organization, I would I would be making Moss inactive for a couple of weeks. I think Singletary brings enough to the table. Um, that, like you said, I don't, I don't think he's a feature back. Um, but what, I, what I kind of expect to see from Moss when he's supposed to be that between the tackles bruising type running back is like when we call a run play on third and one, I expect him to go straight forward and get one and a half yards and move the sticks. And it's not really something that we've seen on a consistent basis. Um, so for me, if, if that's not going to be a play call that works on third and short, I would much rather have a speed option in there that we can, you know, swing, swing it out to the running back in the flat or, you know, use him as a little distraction and, and do a little quick, uh, quick slant or something like that. If the third and one plays aren't working with, with your hard hitting running back. Um, I mean, that's, that's the major role that I want him to fill is, is to keep those chains moving. I'd rather see single Terry get the majority of the other snaps anyways. Um, so for me, if he's not filling that role and we're, we're using Moss a good amount in the passing game. And if we're going to use the running backs in the passing game like that, I'd again, rather see Brita with some room in front of him than Zach Moss. So- Perfect. Perfect. I don't even think I have anything to add. You hit all the right points on that. I, I get so frustrated. I'd be screaming, even going back to last year, third and one, third and two, and we just stick the ball up the middle and it goes nowhere. Every single time you can write it down. You can program a robot to cover that play for the bills and they would just get the same. I mean, just get stuffed. And part of it's the offensive line. The interior is not very good. I'm sorry for everybody that, you know, wants to stick up for Mitch Morse. I just don't think he's that guy. 
Um, so there's some reason to share the blame there, but everything you said about Brita is the way I feel exactly. And I hope the coaches start feeling that way too. Yeah. And to, to Mitch Morris's credit, I, I think he's not really uh, a straight ahead blocking center. I think he works well in pass protection and moving in space, getting out in front of blockers. So I think that's kind of, kind of a victim of circumstance for how we try to use him in some situations. Um, but yeah, it's, it's partially to blame that the offensive line can't get enough push that any running back can just go straight forward for a yard. Um, but for how many times we see the running backs getting contact behind the line of scrimmage and whatnot, that's it, it, it's ultimately at this point, a play that I would just like to see removed from the playbook and Hell, if you want to run it on third and one, I would rather take my chances with a Josh Allen sneak than hand it off to Zach Moss. We kind of do. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty much what we do. Does it concern you with the running back fumbles between Singletary and then the other day we saw Brita had a really silly one where he wasn't even hit. Well, he was hit, but it, was, it wasn't was a great carry for him. Uh, does that concern you at all? Uh, so the burrito one doesn't concern me too much. It, it just seemed like a little lack of awareness. You know, he picked a strange time to be changing his ball carrying hand and you know, the guy hasn't seen live NFL action all year. So I kind of chalked that one up to a little rust and, and kind of a bad decision there. Um, but Singletary 100%. I've been saying this going back to week one you know, somehow, somehow he hasn't lost one of these fumbles yet, but I think he's got five or six on the season now. And, you know, I've seen a few of them that are like right along the sidelines and fortunately bounce right out of bounds. Um, but I feel like, I feel like the luck is going to run out with that at some point. And it's going to be, there's going to be a situation where it's a critical moment and it, he coughs up the ball and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we were having a last minute drive where we kick a field goal or score a touchdown and the game's out of reach. And all of a sudden they turn it around the other way and take the lead. And I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. And fortunately it hasn't yet. Um, but yeah, those, the fumbles got to go. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking this early in the year, like how many times do you fumble before you're like, you know what? I really should hang on to this football if I want my job. And I think five or six fumbles this year. And that's coming from me. I am Devin Singletary's biggest fan in the mafia. I'll go, I'll die on that hill. But yeah, that's, that is something that bothers me about him. You know, Rita, you know, three carries, one fumble. It's not great either, Yeah. but you know, I don't know. I guess I'd rather take my chances with those two than I'm still thinking those two are the better combination and Moss needs to be the one to sit. I agree completely. And, we don't make the decision, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see Brita get more action, and I would like it to not be a, at the expense of Singletary. I promise you that I will use the full power of my amateur broadcasting platform to make this a reality. Coach McDermott listens to your show every week. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> He, said, he says, who is this asshole? Shut the hell up. <laughs> Shut up, Vince. All right, Justin, 
Do you have anything else for me? No, nah, man. It's been a pleasure as always. Okay. You can find The Wandering Buffalo Wednesdays and Thursdays on the Built-in Buffalo Network. They do it twice a week because they're awesome like that. And sometimes you might even find Justin on other shows on this network too because he's a multi-talented talent. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you, Justin. Uh, you can find me on any social medias at jgods22. Uh, my co-host Andrew is out there at 2 Changs. All right, Justin, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man, have a good night. Everybody, can I have your attention, please? Excuse me. Everybody, I have an announcement. Hey, shut up! Thank you. I just want to let you all know that Built in Buffalo has new Buffalo Bills content every single day of the week. Yes, seven days a week. Does anybody have any questions? You, in the back. No, I'm sorry. I don't work here. You'll have to ask the waitress. Anybody else? Questions about built-in Buffalo? Seven days a week Buffalo Bills content. Hey, pay your bill and get the hell out of here. And pick up your pants. I see a crack. All right, I'm leaving. Built-in Buffalo, seven days a week Buffalo Bills content. Bye. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Bill's Mafia, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the podcast today one of my favorite podcasters over from the Hoof Podcast, Anthony Romeo. I am so blessed. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time today, sir. Hey, man. It's it's good to finally connect with you. I know we've been talking a little bit through Twitter and glad to finally be on with you. Excited. Hello, everybody. Let's do this. I'm, I'm pumped. I like the mystery involved here. <laughs> Yeah, you say that, and then when you get done, you be like, I don't, I don't know that I like that so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm the least intimidating person there is out there, so I try to make people feel comfortable, but there's nothing intimidating about me. I have 10 questions. Which one would you like, sir? Uh, well, you know, I, I've, I've been debating here my choices, 10 numbers, good choices. I think I'm going to go with number three. Okay. I think this is a good discussion topic because Anthony and I know, I know you and I love listening to you because I feel like a lot of times in content creation, you get pushed to one extreme or the other. So you got the bias, the, the binary bias there, mm -hmm. but it's not that way in real life. There's so much 
gray area in the middle often. And right now, I feel like the, the even going into this season, there's a lot of Bills fans that were already punching our ticket to the Super Bowl. And I kind of felt like, yes, we're a good team. I'm not saying that. But I felt like maybe we overachieved a little bit last year in getting as far as we did. But that's football. That's how it works. But if I was going to ask you to place a number on your confidence that we're going to get back to the AFC championship game right now, one is the least confident. 10 is I'm going to Vegas, baby. What's your confidence level? Oh, that's a great question. Great question right now. I absolutely love it because, you know, on the, on the show this week, Eric did give me a hard time because after the loss to Jacksonville, I mean, I was furious. I was just absolutely furious and said, you know, we don't deserve anything. We came out flat versus Miami. We lost to the Jaguars of all teams. Uh, you know, and again, like you were saying, some people had already crowned us and said, oh, yeah, they're going to the Super Bowl or whatever it may be. Uh, but it was a, it was a nice wake up call to this Bills team that, you know, you have to work for it still. You might be the best roster. You might be everybody's pick now for the first time ever. But, you know, you still got to put in the work every week and make sure you're getting those W's and taking those steps toward that end game goal. Uh, so if you would have asked me that week, I would have said like a two or a three, right? Like it's not happening. We suck. Um, but it, it was just that that piling up of, of negative energy. We definitely got back on track versus the Jets, which is what you want to do versus a team like that. Uh, you shouldn't have lost to the Jags, but you get back on track versus a team in your division who is still a, you know inferior opponent. But that brought my confidence up for sure, you know, because they did what they had to do. The defense was dominant, which we've seen all year, really against every opponent pretty much. Um, and now I start to look at the AFC matchups and what the AFC is looking like and where I see the Bills fitting in the AFC. We beat Kansas City. We've proven we can do that. They certainly haven't looked like themselves, although they've started to come on a little bit now, right? They're coming back to life. They look like they'll be in the playoffs again for sure, at the least. Um, you got a team like Tennessee that beat Buffalo, uh, and right now I think that is a tough matchup for the Bills. What they do best is our weakest, you know, um, but I still think the Bills can beat Tennessee, you know, three out of five times, I'll say. I'm confident in. Um, and then the rest of the AFC, you know, it, it's it's a big question mark for me as to who the next contender is that would face um, the Bills that I, that, I, that I think is a threat to actually take us down. We've got a huge matchup this week in Indianapolis. You know, the Colts, they're, they're a well-coached team. They've got talent. You know, they're hovering around 500, which is difficult for them. But if they make the playoffs, that's another team, just like we saw last year in the playoffs, that matches up well versus us. Uh, so, but, you know, again, I'll take the Bills against Colts in the playoffs 10 times out of 10 at this point. Uh, so my confidence level has, has kind of gone back up, you know, because I don't see many teams ahead of the Bills in the AFC. And if you're talking about getting to the AFC championship game, the two best teams in the AFC right now, in my mind, are the Bills and the Titans, and I would certainly take that. If we if we can't get past the teams, the rest of the teams in the AFC to get to the Titans, then you know that puts us in a difficult spot for sure. But I definitely think we can do that at this point. I'd say my confidence is somewhere around an eight point five this week 
<laughs> at this moment right now. And I don't know that it can get much higher than that, you know, until until it actually happens, until I see the matchups in the playoffs, because everybody knows once you get to the playoffs, it's a whole new season and you got to be ready. And the thing the Bills have going for us now is experience, right? We know exactly what we're doing in the playoffs now. We are no longer that freshman team in the playoffs, you know, that gets knocked off in round one because they don't know how to play in the playoffs or they're not ready for that energy. We're ready for it. So, I mean, I think, I think I'm that high. Are, are you thinking that's too high at this point or what? No, the question is getting to the AFC championship game. And I think that's maybe pretty close to what I feel. Uh, you're saying 8.5. I might go seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't find a lot of reason. If I say get to the Super Bowl, maybe it, it drops a little. But I think it's a weird year. We're going to take the long road to get there. I think the road to the number one seed is very narrow for us, especially since we lost a tiebreaker to the Titans. Mm-hmm. But I also think this is a year where the number one seed is going to have five losses, maybe six, because it's just a weird year. Like, you know, everybody's down. There's no dominant team. It feels like everybody's pretty good. And to your point, Anthony, we are the best team. I, Tennessee is not as good as I don't care that we lost to them. Right, right. They had to have all the breaks to go their way to even get in the position to hold us. And they still barely held on for that. Yeah, we really beat ourselves in that game, not being able to score in the red zone. You know, you can't do that against good teams. It's been that way all year, unfortunately, but hopefully we get on track by the time the playoffs come around. But we are the better roster for sure than Tennessee. The other team I didn't mention is Baltimore. You know, I think they've been inconsistent this year, meaning that they look like the best team in the world one week and then they lose to an inferior opponent the next week. Kind of like us. Yeah, exactly. They need to find their swag, too, going into the playoffs. But remember that we still have the edge on on Baltimore too. We knocked them out of the playoffs last year as well, and and we Sean McDermott has had the game plan uh, to go against Lamar Jackson from day one, from the first matchup they had when Baltimore bested us a few years ago. But it was the first game that we saw a defense shut down Lamar Jackson. So I trust McDermott and our defense's ability to defeat the Baltimore Ravens, and their defense hasn't looked as dominant. And against our offense, again, I'm pretty confident in that matchup for the Bills that I would I would take the Bills. All of these are good teams, and none of them, I think, would be blowouts by any means. But I'll take the Bills winning that matchup um, and gritting out a win versus versus those teams. So got to got to at this point get back to the AFC championship game at the least. Um, And if we get there and it's not against the Chiefs, we're going to be the team that was there last year and needs to be able to take that next step. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And to your point, I think losing games in the playoffs, there's value to that. I mean, nobody wants to lose in the playoffs, but I, I don't know. We want to talk about Stefan Diggs standing there in the sidelines watching the Chiefs celebrate. That's worth some non-zero. Like, I don't know how much it's worth. It's hard for me to quantify it, but there's some value to that. And, and maybe when you go up to that game this year, you're just that much more focused. Um. I was very worried about the Ravens and I'm aware that we've been able to stifle Lamar, but that game was so close anyway. And if Teron Johnson doesn't make that play, mm-hmm. that game could have very easily went the other way. If you score there, the game, they, we could have lost by a touchdown. That's how close that game was. And that's the NFL. And yes, 
when we're in the middle of the season dropping games to the Jaguars. It's like we're so week to week. We feel like everything is the the body work is always discarded for what just happened in front of us. And I I try not to feel that way. Right. And we we talked about this on the hoof this week, or at least I brought this up on the hoof for sure. And this matchup versus the Colts is actually bigger than we think it could be for the Bills because we've lost three three games to AFC opponents already. And if we're talking playoff seeding and a matchup against a team that plays well against us, like Baltimore or even the Titans, you know, if we're still fighting for that one seed or even a home slot, that two seed to get the first couple of home games in there against a team like Baltimore, that could be what makes the whole difference. Remember that we didn't have a full stadium at home versus Baltimore last year, but this year, you know, we would have a full stadium. And I think that that could only add to that home field advantage for, for the bills in a game like that uh, and would be huge for us as well. So I'd be more excited to see that. And I want it to be at home. And that starts by winning these tough AFC matchups, including this week uh, against Indy. I'm actually going to this game uh, on Sunday. So I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. I had this one circled from the beginning of the year, knowing that it was a playoff rematch, knowing that it's Frank Reich who always comes in well-prepared. They have talent like, uh, um, the running back there. Uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. Empty. Jonathan Taylor. J- Taylor. Thank you. Um, and, and he's going to rack up yardage and, and do his thing. You know, you're not going to shut him down, but you got to have a way to slow down that offense and let our offense do its thing against him. And that's really where it starts, one week at a time. Get it done when you need to get it done. And that's why this matchup is huge, because if you're playing Baltimore at home versus playing Baltimore in Baltimore in the playoffs, that's that's a huge advantage in that game. Oh, it, absolutely, yes. I I would say, though, and maybe this is another question for you, Anthony, uh, I'm feeling if I'm going to put a confidence level on us winning the AFC East, it's seven it's seven i got there's i what? think if you're saying there's no concern about the patriots i i don't know i think i'll tell you what i'll tell you why why i my confidence is at a 12 out of 10 for the bills winning the afc east the patriots will not win the afc east they have no chance the buffalo bills their defense is dominant and has always been sean mcdermott led defenses leslie frazier defenses we play extremely well against first-year quarterbacks like it's just they know how to capitalize on that situation and you know Mac Jones being praised as a hero right now doing all these things he's going to run into the buzzsaw that is the Bills defense and we've saw we've seen this year especially what they've been able to do against inexperienced young quarterbacks who are catching fire in some games I mean Mike White said he should have been a first overall pick look what happened to him in that game he got picked four times And I know, look, the the Patriots have a good defense. They've got Bill Belichick. We know they're going to show up and play tough. It's a divisional opponent. It's going to be a a close matchup. Uh, But the Bills are going to win it. I mean, I just don't see the Patriots beating the Bills, especially being led by Mac Jones, especially with their quote-unquote weapons on offense. I'm not scared of anybody on that team. I mean, when it comes to it, I I know it's going to be a close game. I know it's going to be one that has me biting my nails and swearing at my TV or whatever it may be, but you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to, in the end, I'm confident, confident that the bills will win those matchups and that they'll win the AFC East because that's where it starts. You have to go there. And this team, our team, the bills team is 53 man roster, much, much better than what I see on the Patriots side. 
and much more experience together than what I see on the Patriots side. They're certainly one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, but they're going to come back down to reality too. And it's going to be against our Buffalo Bills when they face one of the, if not the best defense in the NFL right now. Anthony, I love your confidence and I wish <laughs> I could get that. And I'll tell you, anytime I disagree with somebody smarter than me, such as yourself, I have to, <laughs> I have to check myself. Uh, but you know, they are playing good teams tough and I don't yes. have to love Mac Jones, Mac, Mac Jones. Um, I don't think he's anything special. I don't, I, I think he's doing a little bit of what Brady did. And that's not a fair comparison either because that's inaccurate, but he's doing just enough and mm-hmm. they, they can rely on the defense. They're playing good teams tough. We're a good team. I expect them to play a stuff. I think exactly. there's some doubt we could drop a game to them. And I'd rather if, I mean, it'd make me feel so much better if we would win the first matchup. That way the second one doesn't have to mean as much, but there's some <laughs> doubt there for me. I, I I wish that I could be as confident as you. Well, luckily we play them at home in the first matchup this year. So that's good at least. Yeah. And I, I do expect, like you said, that it's going to be a well-fought match. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a nerve wracking one. But again, I trust that we are the better team. And after last season, getting over the hump, just beating them. Uh, it's tough to go undefeated in your division. It is absolutely tough for any team, no matter how good you are and how inferior the other opponents are, to go undefeated in your division. The Bills did it last year. They're doing it so far this year. But those matchups are tough, you know, and, and we'll see what happens with the Patriots. I agree with you on that note, though. Please win the first one. So we're, you know, the second one's a little more uh, definitely not as emphasized, if you will, uh, because if they win that first one, they're, we're talking about, a tie for the division lead. So I don't want that at all. Uh, luckily they're on by this week. I believe the Patriots are right. They're not playing this week. So um, we'll see what happens. If the bills win, we'll be a full game up on them and, and I'll feel a lot more comfortable about it. Yeah. Cause if we go down two, <laughs> well yeah. now, yeah, that's a whole different, whole different conversation there. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think you're going to see a uh, bill's mafia lighting things on fire and fighting each other on Twitter. And <laughs> I mean, actually, <laughs> that would not just... <laughs> be good. and we have the Thanksgiving matchup this year against new Orleans, which is nice. But the best thing about that is it gives us the extra time to prepare for the Monday night game uh, against new England. So that that's a good segue in the schedule there for us. The first one, it seems like, the Bills have already had, I think, three opponents who played on a Thursday play them the following Sunday. So extra time to prepare for us. Um, and, and the Jaguars obviously got the win over us uh, that week. But, uh, you know, it'll be nice to be the team that gets the edge, especially against a divisional opponent. I feel like that usually goes the opposite way for the Bills. A divisional opponent gets extra rest playing us. But uh, hopefully, again, we're able to capitalize on that and uh, use it to our advantage. What I want to see from this Bills team is more prep like they did this week. That Jags loss was a punch in the face, and they said, okay, we got to go back to basics. We need to put it 100% on the field, focus on on practice, no more playing music or whatever. You know, you heard all the reports coming out about it, practice being more intense and guys getting in each other's faces and all that. You know, that's how it should be every week. You prepare that hard every week, just like you did against Kansas City. We know the Bills were focused oh, and ready for that yeah. game. You need to do that every week. So I, that's what I want to see every week. Be that prepared. We know they'll do it against New England, but you can't overlook, you know, a team like Indy this week or look ahead after Indy, you know, past New Orleans on Thursday to try and think about that New England game. Take it one game at a time and then you'll have that extra time uh, to prepare for New England when it comes. 
I hadn't considered that. And I, I don't actually think that was in my consciousness. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, Anthony, that was fun. You got anything else for me? Yeah, man. I just, you know, thank you for having me on. I'm glad we could connect like this again. I, I kind of like talking about the spontaneous topic choices, put me on the spot. I love it. Uh, but this was fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on and, and look forward to uh, interacting with you as we move forward here. So anybody that is listening to my podcast is already familiar with you, but <laughs> please do it anyway. Drop your Twitter handle, drop your, where we can find the hoof. That's right. Uh, so my Twitter handle is at Anthony Romeo NY, obviously spelled exactly as it sounds. A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, R-O-M-E-O-N-Y. Uh, I'm dangerously close to a thousand followers. So I would appreciate anybody out there who isn't following me already to do so. Cause I, I just want to reach that, that pivotal peak point on Twitter. I'll celebrate that for sure. Uh, and you can find me on the hook podcast with my guys, Sterling and Eric, uh, on Tuesday nights, we do the live show. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are on the cover one network, lots of great content over there at cover one. So, so come check us out, interact with us. Uh, you know, we like to have a good time, especially Sterling, Eric and I, we're really relaxed. Come have, you know, tune in for the show. We like to interact with all our viewers. Uh, it's always, always a good time. I hope you've experienced that too. <laughs> well, yeah, the hoof is my favorite show on that network. And now that you have the air raid hour joining you guys, that's pretty cool too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Anthony, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to absorb some of your confidence before we sign off here. <laughs> That's right. I may be a little biased when it comes to the New England stuff, but I'm telling you, we need, I'm, I'm that confident that we can beat them. We're the better roster. We should win. <laughs> All right, Anthony, have a good night. All right. Go Bills. Go Bills. mafia that is it you have somehow made it through another entire episode of buffalo on the brain and subjected yourself to me vince taylor and for that i'm very thankful please make sure you check out all the other stuff right here on the built to buffalo network we have seven days a week content literally twice on sundays and that's not even talking about the stuff that's over on the youtube channel very very special thank you to justin goddard i appreciate his time every single week but an even bigger thank you to Anthony Romeo. I'm a big fan of Anthony. I think he's one of the smartest people in the mafia, right up there with Bruce. Love getting the opportunity to spend some time with him. Hope you all have a Thanksgiving. Uh, that is wonderful. Please don't take things for granted. Squeeze somebody close to you. You only have a limited number of days on the planet with the people you love. Until next week, go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster. 
who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. Ah! <laughs> Go. Oh.